thank you, Coop. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. President-elect Biden once warned Trump would become even more irrational when the walls closed in. He was right, and then some. But the real problem, your real focus for your outrage, and you should be outraged, isn't just Trump doing what he does worst, but all the Republicans motivating the madness, like this guy. Senator, have you congratulated Vice President Biden yet? No. Why not? Senator Johnson, I'm just a businessman trying to get things done. Boy, did he learn the game fast. Remember him and all those who stand by and watch the trumpery, firing the head of Operation Warp Speed, the Secretary of Defense, and now two main Pentagon officials and replaced by who? Not just loyalists, but radioactive righties like retired Brigadier General Anthony Tata, who was previously nominated to be Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, only to be removed for, among other things, calling President Obama a terrorist leader. Also, remember what Secretary of State Mike Pompeo just said about this transition. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. His defender said, oh, he was just joking. He was asked point blank if he was serious tonight over on state TV. What do you think he said? He didn't say he was joking. They think they're going to get by with this and that once Biden is in, they'll go back to being principled conservatives who just worry about the Constitution. Enough. Your outrage cannot end at the polls. Never forget their perfidy. And we know why it's going on. Mitch McConnell You know what he's doing. He's making a play to get that base to vote in the Georgia special elections. He can't do anything that's anti-Trump before that. He's afraid he'll lose those special elections and the Senate. And how about these others? Rubio, Cruz, Graham. What do you think? They want to run in 2024. They want to be the next Trump. They want his base to love them. It'll never happen. In contrast, President-elect Biden is already playing the, the game of being measured. All right. No wonder that a record number of people voted for him. He was ahead of the loser at the last count by over 4.5 million votes, a spanking. And this message is why. We are already beginning the transition. We're well underway. And uh, the ability uh, for uh, the administration in any way by failure to recognize our win uh, does not uh, change the dynamic at all in what we're able to do. What do you say to the Americans that are anxious over the fact that President Trump has yet to concede and what that might mean for the country? Well, um, I just think it's an embarrassment, um, quite frankly. Uh, The only thing that, uh, how can I say this uh, tactfully? I I think it will not help the president's legacy. Now, look, on the one hand, I get it. Keep that same energy, Mr. President-elect. In like four days, he's done more to be reassuring to this country than the other guy did in four years. All right, I got you. And good news for Biden supporters and, frankly, for the country, he continues to gain ground in the voting. Just take a look at why this election should be over. Wisconsin, Biden's up by more than 20,000 votes. Pennsylvania, up by more than 46,000 votes. What about Ruby Red, Georgia? Biden up by more than 12,000 votes. All right. Uh, Another red state, Arizona. Okay, 
Biden leads by more than 14,000 votes. That one's a little close. Got to watch it. Nevada, he leads by more than 36,000 votes. Michigan, he's up by more than 148,000 votes. And yet today, the Trump campaign didn't just say it's going to file suit in Michigan. Didn't offer you any proof, only a conclusion. We're filing suit. We won't tell you on what, but we are telling you he'll be declared the winner of this election. Based on what? Keep saying that to yourself. Uh, Nothing other than this caustic chorus of Republican cronies that will apparently do anything to destroy a peaceful transition in a democracy. Again, remember, for Trump and co to be right, mail-in ballots would have to have been manipulated by Democrats and Republicans alike in several different states coordinated for months. And the ballots would have to be fixed to steal votes from Trump, but only Trump, because the same ballots gave advantage to a lot of Senate candidates and candidates for Congress and candidates for state legislature for Republicans. So they coordinated with both parties to go after Trump and beat him, but give the Senate in all likelihood to the Republicans. Look, it doesn't make any sense, and that's why they have no proof of the same. Remember what they are trying to pull. These are the people many of you supported when they said that Democrats shouldn't question the 2018 results, right? Where's the proof? You can't just complain. That's being a sore loser. Remember that? Remember during the impeachment? We need proof. Why are we having hearings? We haven't even seen the proof yet. What's happening? Remember this. These House Democrats decided due process is too much work. They'd rather impeach with no proof. This is as clear as it gets, but these guys want to keep stirring it up based on no direct evidence whatsoever. Presumption has now become the standard instead of proof. It should cause anyone to begin to question because the entire case is built on a presumption. You can have all the smoke in the world, but if you're going to impeach a president and you're going to convict him, you actually have to have the direct proof and they haven't done it. Where's Reince now? Where's Collins now? He got laughed out of a race. Where are the other guys now? Mr. Ohio, Mr. Kentucky, where are you now? Why aren't you standing up right now for your constituents in this country? Why not? We need no proof of their perfidy other than their own words. Check out State TV. First of all, the Democrats always call it unfair when they lose. So that's first and foremost what we need to understand. This is becoming a pattern with the Democratic Party. It's continuing, you know, refusal to accept the legitimacy of elections when you just don't like the outcome. We keep hearing all about attacks on democracy, the delegitimization of our elections, not accepting a result just because you don't like it without any evidence to back up your claims of voter suppression or voter fraud even. Uh, that causes real problems. The entire integrity of our democracy rests on elections that are meaningful and accepted. And you can't, after the ninth inning is played, the game is over, and one team wins, say, I've unilaterally decided we're going to go into extra innings and we're counting the runs differently. One of the big things Democrats are going to have to decide is, uh, will they become a party that will accept the results of an election? No shame in their game. But you must remember, 
Also, I must remember, kudos to Trevor Noah and the Daily Show team. You know, the classical music, you know, with the classic boulder dash that they're putting there is a perfect marriage. And it makes sense that the Daily Show uh, keeps staying ahead on the clips because this is pure comedy. However, it's not funny. We know how it should go. Look, today in history, four years ago today, that's Vice President Biden. And you know who's with him? Vice President-elect Pence. Doesn't seem comfortable being touched. This is what it's supposed to look like, helping to foster a smooth transition. Also four years ago today, President-elect Trump himself being extended the traditional courtesy by someone he said wasn't even born in this country. Acknowledgement of his victory, a pledge from then-President Obama for help with a smooth, smooth transition to his presidency. Listen. My number one priority in the coming two months is to try to facilitate a transition that ensures our president-elect is successful. We now are going to want to do everything we can to help you succeed, because if you succeed, then the country succeeds. That from a president. And now we're hearing from Trump, who's no president. He's a dissident at best and a revenant in the main, a revenant, a dead man haunting the halls of a country in crisis. So we get what's going on. The question is, what do we do about it? First thing is, you got to keep that energy up, too. You've got to be outraged by this, because if this dead man walking and his zombie pals in Congress are looking to make this transition into a complete horror show, the only thing that's going to stop them is the outrage of what they know just bit them in the behinds at the polls. You coming out and being active like they did not expect. So let's talk about why this is happening and what can be done. David Axelrod and David Gregory. Gentlemen, thank you. Um, first, we deal with uh, what can be done. All right, let's start on the, on the uh, progr- progressive side first. Ax, what does Biden and his people do in a situation like this? I kind of think, Chris, they do what they're doing, which is to keep moving forward with their transition and let the process uh, run. I mean, there is going to be They're going to run out of runway on the other side here. Uh, These cases are going to fail. These lawsuits are going to fail. Uh, The counts are going to become official. Uh, And Joe Biden's going to be president of the United States. The the problem uh, is that uh, in in the process, they are trying to delegitimate uh, him. You know, there's a poll this morning that said 70 percent of Republicans said it wasn't a free and fair election, 78 percent said that mail ballots uh, led to widespread fraud. I mean, they are buying uh, the storyline of the president. So I think Joe Biden is, 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 is you know, on track here. He's going to be the president, but he's going to be a president who is looked on with suspicion by large numbers of Americans because his predecessor uh, engineered it that way, uh, set the circumstances up for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other issue of the, uh, the transition itself. Biden is on track. He's doing what he needs to do. But despite what he says, uh, you know, it is beneficial to have landing teams at the agencies, to be briefed up, to have a connection between your teams, as he did, as President Obama did when President Bush handed him the reins. And that that is a that is going to set him back a little. Well, I'll tell you, just a heart and head moment here, David, you know, your heart. We had over 61000 hospitalizations today, November 10th. We've never seen anything like it. And this is when you play this game. This is when you do this. So then, David, what is the obvious reason? Why would the Republicans be in line with this sellout move? 
Well, you outlined it off the top. I mean, you know, they're giving President Trump room because he still has a death grip on the grassroots of the Republican Party. He's not going away. One way or the other, he's going to be a political force. And for, you know, those who care about Senate control for the Republican Party or who are looking ahead to 2024, they still fear Donald Trump. He'll have a lot of sway. So I'm sure the thinking is, you know, why push him? Everything that Trump is doing is completely in character with everything we've seen from, since, from him since he announced uh, his run for the presidency. So there's nothing particularly surprising. Uh, so I think Republicans don't see an advantage in, in calling him out and pushing him. Give him a little mm -hmm. bit more runway. The courts will ultimately take care of it by denying all these lawsuits. Others who have made claims are now recanting. And there's they nothing think, there. And they think that 75 million people that just came out to reject Trump won't remember what they're doing right now with people like me and you reminding them right, every but Chris, five but, but minutes. Remember, I mean, the flip side of that poll that Axe just uh, cited is how many Democrats have thought Trump was illegitimate. I mean, this is the problem. We're living in an age that goes back uh, now a generation where um, uh, uh, roughly half the country thinks the other side's president But they is don't think he didn't win the election. Act accordingly. They don't think he didn't win the election. You know, Hillary, Hillary capitulated that night. Right, but a lot of other Republican Democrats didn't. But what's important is that she did. So I'm agreeing with you. And yeah, what's really. important here is that Trump hasn't, and people will follow his lead. That's what matters. Four years ago today, President Obama welcomed President Trump. He was shocked. He didn't want to be in that position, but there it was. That's what's so unbecoming and dangerous right. for the country. Axe, did Obama, was it hard for him to go and sit with Trump, of all people, pushing that Bertha thing, crushing him to the end? Can't tell in his demeanor, but Obama was a tough read, you know? Yeah. No, look, I think it was hard for him, but... Uh, he, like President Bush before him, look, we were tough on George W. Bush in our campaign in 2008, uh, and yet he could not have been more cooperative, more helpful, more cordial uh, in every single way uh, during the transition of 2008, uh, not because he loved everything that we said, uh, but because he thought it was his duty as a trustee of the democracy to hand over the reins in good shape and give the next president a chance to get a good uh, start. And that's what President Obama thought in 2000 uh, right. and, uh, and 16. And, and that is what is not you know, happening now, because because Donald Trump is just moving his show down the street. He's going to be dogging Joe Biden every single right. Boy, day. Not, and he wants to create that sense. He's not sense even going that down this the street, though. Is, Acts. He got rid of the uh, Secretary of Defense, who is fundamental to Operation Warp Speed. He just got rid of two other Pentagon officials uh, and put, is trying to put in Tata, of all people. Um, yes. And he's telling the agencies to prepare for a budget. I mean, what does this yeah. smell like to you? No, I understand. I understand what it smells like. I do. I have I have faith in the institutions of our democracy. Uh, and and, and I, I think at the end of the day, all of this will, uh, you know, will lead to where it's where the voters said it will lead to. But, Chris, the point you make is, is a different. There's a different point here, which is an awful lot of damage can be done in the next two months uh, by a president, even on his way out the door. Uh, and the firings that we've seen are appalling and they're alarming. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, and I and I sense that they're just the beginning, right. which is a great concern. I got you, D. Greg. Last word to you. I, you know, but you also mentioned the virus. I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine in, in uh, the Chicago area who said that the hospitalizations are, are risking overrunning their hospitals. There are not enough nurses, that it's going to be much worse in the spring. Um, and the Trump administration deserves credit for Warp Street and, and, and the progress on a vaccine. But we're losing ground now because he's hunkering down in a corner because he made a decision not to allow his own voters to get uh, mail-in ballots. You know, he's embarrassed. And now he's, he's taking the country th- through this when there's some real work that has to be done in a transition. Imagine what happens two months from now if we haven't figured out how to retool our efforts against this pandemic. It is eating us alive. Axe, David, thank you, fellas. Appreciate you. Okay, thanks. All right, so on the one hand, you have Biden. Look, I guess he's doing this the only way you can, right? He's being presidential. He's trying to reassure, uh, reassure all of you that this will be fine. But I'm telling you, you got to be worried about what's happening with all this trumpery, okay? They are undermining democracy. It's not enough to say, well, he has every right to question the election, not without basis. So what can the Democrats do? Let's turn to a Biden confidant who's watching things very closely. And by the way, knows how ugly it can get and how quickly it can get that way. Representative James Clyburn. Let's get some wide eyes on this. Next. How do you expect to work with Republicans if they won't even acknowledge you as president-elect? They will. They will. Look, I respect it on one hand, okay, the optimism. But on the other hand, don't you get that fear that the Democrats might get done dirty here? Why? The political divisions are only deepening. I'm not saying they have a case, but this clearly isn't about legitimate administration of justice or our election. This is a weird play going on here. Only four GOPers have done anything but kowtow to crazy town. Our national security is on the line. We've had more hospitalizations today from COVID than ever before. Is this the right move by Biden? Is there any other move for the Democrats? Here with me right now is House Majority Whip, Democratic Congressman Jim Clyburn. Uh, Congressman, I've leaned on you many times over the years uh, for perspective in hard moments. Uh, This one feels like it's fixing to get ugly. Are you guys muscling up for some kind of fight here if the GOP continues bowing to Trump? Well, thank you very much for having me, Chris. I do believe that we are in for some rough sledding, but I don't think it's going to get any more ugly than it already has been. I think that uh, you'll see very soon uh, more and more Republicans coming to the realization that this country is much more important than any one person. What is happening now is a one person who felt uh, that he was above uh, the Constitution of the country, uh, that he was more important uh, than any one person in his party. And I think uh, that there'll be more and more people in the Republican Party coming forward to say enough is enough. We do know that although Trump's base, uh, as he calls it, may be about 30 percent of the people who just vote, when it comes down to the Republican Party, The Republican Party is a big part of what makes this country go. 
And those people who really work to make this country go are not going to stand idly by and watch it cave in. And I do believe there'll be some telephone calls very soon saying to a lot of my friends on the Republican side, uh, we've gone far enough now. It's time for us to rein things in and get this country moving again. So I think that Joe Biden uh, knows a little bit about uh, what he's talking about here. Remember, Delaware is where so many of these countries uh, are uh, established. You know, that's been the place where a lot of companies acting. Oh, companies. You know oh, I got you. I, I, you lost me there for a second. So you're saying that you think there's going to be some private sector push uh, telling Republican lawmakers, where's that optimism come from? I mean, these guys play by different rules. And with all due respect, Congressman, often to better effect than your party does. They are on one page. No proof, no worries, no shame in their game. That doesn't bother you at all? Yes, it does. And, you, uh, and you're right about that. Uh, my party has been much more respectful uh, of tradition, much more respectful of constitutional principles. That's why you saw Al Gore. Nobody should have been upset more than Al Gore back in 2000. Uh, 527 votes, yet he still uh, did, took the high road. Uh, you saw Hillary Clinton. Uh, taking the high road. Uh, and so my party has always done that. And I just had a friend of mine that said to me uh, just uh, yesterday, I'm now beginning to see what you've been trying to tell me about the hypocrisy uh, among these Republicans. This is a guy who thought of himself as being a Republican and always gave me a, a hard time for being a Democrat. He's now telling me he now sees what I've been telling him. The hypocrisy here is so great. Until I think more and more people are going to see it and say they're more about themselves than they are about preserving the integrity of this democracy. You know, this country is an experiment. And we have been trying uh, to reconcile the differences. One of which is fundamental to the country's existence. 401 years ago, uh, we had um, blacks were brought into this country. Uh, and, and we have wrestled uh, with that race issue ever since. Uh, and we are really uh, at, at, at the edge uh, of, of real catastrophic consequences if we do not stop this foolishness. Bring this country back together. Let's get this economy going again. Let's get our kids back in school. Uh, let's get the people back to work. Let's get health restored uh, into the American people. We cannot do this uh, following uh, the dictates of any one person. We got to do it as a collective here in this country. I hear you. I hear you. But they have a collective on their side. And my question becomes, uh, I know you guys are standing by and watching and hoping for the best, but hopefully you're preparing for the worst as well. What if they go to the state legislatures and say, forget about the vote. We don't trust it. Right. Pick your own electors. State legislatures can do that in a bunch of the states. Yes, they, they can do that. Uh, but I don't think they can do that to the tune of 270. There's no question about that. Some of them may uh, accommodate them. But I don't believe that in the state of New York, uh, for instance, if, if it's oh, not oh, happening in stopped. New York, I'm talking about like in Wisconsin or in Georgia uh, or in Arizona. It's not happening in New York. New York's not your problem. 
Um, no. You got the love gov over there. But I'm talking about in these other states. You know, what if they go bad on the vote? I really don't think that's going to be a problem in Pennsylvania. They may attempt to do that uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, but the Constitution is clear. Uh, and I know uh, it gives the legislatures uh, the authority uh, to elect uh, electors uh, as they would have them be. But look, if you got all the electors, I don't believe you're going to go to uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and get them uh, to elect Republican electors uh, when the Democrat won. I just don't think you're going to have that. Now, it may happen. And then I've been telling people for a long time now, I'm beginning to see what happened in Germany back in the 1930s. Yeah, I, I never thought that could happen in this country. Uh, how do you elect a person president, then all of a sudden uh, give, give him the authority to be dictator? That's what we're teetering on here. Uh, that's what Hitler did in Germany. He was elected chancellor. And then because he uh, successfully discredited the news media, took over the churches. I cannot see that happening here. It may happen. But if it did, uh, that means uh, that the American people are much more or less, I should say, uh, intelligent uh, than I uh, think they are. Boy, this is some heavy. These are some heavy days, Congressman. Every time we say, oh, it can't get any crazier than this. I have so many, uh, so many welts on my tongue from biting it after saying those things. Uh, but, you know, I joke, but just so I keep from crying. These are hard days, and I hope your party is ready um, to fight for the democracy uh, and find ways to make these Republicans come to their senses. I know they're afraid of the base, but they've got to value something more than that at some point. Congressman Jim Clyburn, thank you uh, for your perspective on this and your efforts going forward. Thank you very much for having me. All right. God bless. America's first counterterror czar, Richard Clark. We brought him in tonight. Why? Because this isn't just politics. Oh, which side is going to win? Yeah, on one level, but most hospitalizations ever from COVID today, two months of this, then where are we? Biden not getting briefed on national security? The world on fire half the time? What matters? What can happen with this White House blocking the next president? from the critical intel and assets that he needs. Somebody who knows that answer. Next. Look, we know COVID is a crisis. Just today, we had over 60,000 hospitalizations. That is most of any single day that we've had. But what about the threats that aren't public? that a president-elect needs to know about. Why raise this? Well, we've lived it to great disadvantage. It's part of our 9-11 legacy. Do you remember what the commission found about the impact of a transition delay on the Bush administration? Richard Clark does. He lived it as President Bush's counterterrorism czar. It's good to see you, friend. Good to be with you, Chris. The finding of the commission was that the delay in transition because of the litigation made a material difference in the preparedness of the administration uh, for the extant threat of terror. Yeah, I know that was their conclusion. I'm not sure it's true because that transition, uh, the, the Clinton counterterrorism team in the White House, all of it stayed on into the Bush administration. So the expertise continued. That's not always the case. Uh, I've been through three transitions, twice 
uh, in the White House and once on the transition team. And things happen uh, during transition times. You know, the world doesn't stop. George Bush invaded Somalia uh, after he lost his bid for re-election, and he left that uh, steaming pile uh, for Bill Clinton. Uh, so you don't know what's going to happen. The world continues on. Uh, there are people out there who may want to take advantage of what they think is chaos in the U.S. Uh, Iran might, North Korea might, uh, even Russia and China might. What they think is chaos, you say. Uh, if you were designing a course, could you come up with an uglier set of circumstances short of complete chaos than what we're dealing with right now? Well, yeah, I, re I remember 2000 and we didn't know who the president was until December 13th. Uh, so that was that was pretty. But you knew what the case well. was, Richard. You knew what the case was. You know about the machines. It was it was finite. The recounts were a nightmare. I think about a quarter inch of my hairline went during that period. Um, but this is based on nothing. I mean, you know, you're a brilliant writer. You couldn't come up with a plot like this. Democrats and Republicans manipulating ballots, but only to rob the president, but still allow Republicans down ballot to win. You know, what's the chance that this yeah, guy could. has even a shot? And let, look at all the GOPers lining up behind him. Well, for now, for now, I think that everybody in Washington knows how this is going to come out. And the Republicans are just humoring him uh, because he's still going to be a potent force uh, even when he leaves office. But, Chris, ask yourself what happens if somebody wants to settle a score during this period. Yeah. What if, for example, Iran, which is still, you know, wanting to settle the score for when Trump killed General Soleimani, you know, what if they try to settle that score in the next uh, 70 days? And what if Trump uh, responds uh, in a big way militarily uh, and he ends up leaving a war going on with Iran uh, as his gift to Biden? I mean, that's not inconceivable. What if North Korea uh, decides to do something? What if China or Russia, what if Russia makes moves in Ukraine during this period uh, and, and Trump doesn't respond? Uh, and then Biden has to come in. And the first thing he has to deal with, instead of the, uh, the virus, instead of the economy, uh, is some armed conflict overseas. That could happen. Though, in terms of the what ifs, uh, what is the most likely burden that any substantial delay would put on this next president? Well, it depends on what this president does during these next 70 days. The Biden team, including the vice president, the former vice president, uh, they're pros. They know more about national security uh, than, than any group ever coming into the White House. They don't need a lot of uh, transition time. They're already doing it without the help of the White House. Uh, yeah, they're not getting the intelligence briefings, but you got to believe, Chris, that there are people in the intelligence community who would tell them something uh, if there were something important for them to know. All right, I'll accept that. But just on the pandemic alone, 70 days of the continued path with the rate of escalation of the virus could put us in a real catastrophic situation as he comes in where he doesn't have any really good choices. Yeah, so there are things that require the president to act, and there are things that the government handles by itself beneath him. And the pandemic probably at this point requires presidential leadership. And we're not going to get that. He isn't doing any work. You look at his schedule. Uh, he's just watching you and other people all day long. Uh, he's not doing any work. He's not running the government. 
Uh, you know, I worked for three presidents who worked up until noon uh, on January 20th. They were on the job. This guy hasn't been on the job for weeks. Mm. Richard Clark, you made us feel a little bit better. Um, that maybe, you know, there's enough going on at different levels that we should be okay. But certainly uh, this doesn't help, but your perspective always does. So thank you, my friend, for being on the show. Thank you, Chris. All right. All right. So let's get a little bit more practical uh, perspective on this. Richard's great, but I'm saying from someone who ran the General Services Administration, that's this new acronym you've been introduced to, the GSA. Uh, that refused to sign off on Biden's transition. What does this mean? Denise Turner Roth used to run the GSA. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. So some people have tried to uh, assuage any fear. Don't worry. There are lots of levels of government. This doesn't really matter. Kind of feels like it matters. Should Should we be worried that the GSA hasn't signed off on the transition? Well, it certainly is an important moment uh, in terms of the history and transfer of government. Uh, GSA, by law, is responsible for the transition of government. And when we talk about the size of government, remember, we're talking about, you know, four million employees, including military, about 100 agencies. And the running of those operations and the transition and leadership to that is very much dependent on the presidential transition process. Um, I think that one of the key aspects here is when do we ensure that the incoming president and that team has an understanding of the current operation and is is able to take over day one. I think that's the biggest uh, risk and challenge at this point. So what if you have a bunch of pros coming in with you and everybody's been in Washington or even the White House before? Uh, What inconveniences does this still pose? And certainly the Biden uh, transition team and has a a stalwart uh, group of people that are very much uh, informed and prepared. I think that the part that I would think about is in terms of what has been happening at the agencies currently, what work has been underway, what policies and decisions have been made, what's on deck. You want them to be able to pick up on January 20th without hesitation into the time that they have to take to transition and understand what's been occurring and what's going to happen next uh, is time lost. And you don't want them to reinvent the wheel. Um, And certainly we're in an important moment. We're in an important moment with the coronavirus and how that's playing out. I think that the obviously there's been a strong team assembled uh, with the Biden campaign, but their ability to understand what's happening today, what efforts are currently in place, what we know and what we don't know, all of those things are hindered by not having the transition take place. There have been some odd things that have happened with the GSA under this president, but we'll leave the politics to the side. Have you ever heard of a GSA not signing off on a transition before? I mean, certainly we had this moment in 2000. Uh, and with the presidential transition at that time, uh, there have been concerns. And I think that there, that you all have reported about that. Uh, certainly the finding of the 9-11 commissions pointed to the lateness and the lack of transition to having had an impact on the administration not being as prepared as they could have been. Um, that is an unfortunate aspect. But the point to that o- overall is when that delay occurred, 
it does have an ongoing follow-on impact that can happen. Right. Uh, Richard Clark doesn't completely agree uh, that it had a negative effect, but certainly the commission thought enough of it uh, to put it in. Denise Turner-Raw, thank you for giving us some uh, context and understanding to why this matters. It's not just some bureaucratic checkmark uh, on a list of to-do things. Thank you very much. Appreciate you and appreciate your service to the country. Thank you. Good to be with you. Okay. Now, again, I keep coming back to COVID because COVID is everything for us. Economy, our kids, our livelihoods, our emotions, right? Our well-being, shattering a record for hospitalizations. Now there's a new study that I have to tell you about. I don't want to tell you about. We, we worked hard to make sure I had to tell you about it. But this long haul thing is getting worse and it's getting more insidious. It's getting more sneaky. It's manifesting itself in ways that people may not see. It's not just their body, it's their mind. We're going to have to bring in the chief doctor on this to talk about new guidance from the CDC that seems like it should have come out months ago. And this study about long haulers and mental health that is not going to make a lot of people happy in this country tonight. Next. We have two sad pieces of information about coronavirus, but they're very important. First, I think maybe proof of Trump effect. He loses... And right after the CDC comes out with guidance about wearing masks that he never allowed them to give. So we'll go through that. But also we have these daily infections as well as hospitalizations are at an all time high. Um, What does that mean for us? And then we have this study about mental illness and long haul covid symptoms. Let's bring in the chief doctor, Sanjay Gupta. Uh, Sanj, thank you very much for joining us. Do you agree with me that uh, they didn't put this guidance out, which is totally obvious that you wear a mask, not just for the people around you, but for yourself. um, And that if we increase mass use, uh, mask use by 15 percent, it could have huge economic, uh, you know, positive impact. We've always known this. They just wouldn't say it because of him. Is that what's going on here? Well, you know, I, I think you're right that uh, this uh, it seems like we've known this a long time. This is coming out pretty late. Uh, and, you know, we've always sort of little bit, been a little bit hamstrung by this as we've reported on it because we've always said, hey, according to the CDC, these masks are primarily serving as source control, meaning that they're at the source, the person who's wearing it, they're protecting people around them by wearing the mask. That's the source control. Uh, but, you know, the idea that it also helps protect the wearer seemed, you know, frankly, like common sense. But the CDC always shied away from saying that. What they say now is that based on plenty of epidemiological evidence, looking at communities where people wear masks, seeing who's protected, looking at the experiment, how the virus actually travels, they're ready to conclude that there is a, a, a benefit to both the wearer and the people around the wearer. So, uh, again, I, I think we've known this for a while. Why it wasn't out there? I don't know, Chris. I mean, I will say this. These organizations have seemed more emboldened to say things that they hadn't been saying for a while. I've been covering this for eight months. We're hearing people being more more uh, emboldened to say things that I think they've been thinking and to see the guidance actually reflect that. Also, the point you made, they said you could save a trillion dollars uh, for the economy if 15 percent increase in mask usage around the country. You're not used to seeing that sort of guidance in a CDC document but there it is. So, you know, it's, it's an important fact as well. And you've been making the point, I know Tony Fauci uh, made the point that even with a vaccine, 
you can't not do the other prophylaxis, uh, that it's going to take too long uh, to get the kind of protection the vaccine can give, no matter how good its efficacy, if we're not maintaining the other measures. And then we have this study that came out. Um, which, you know, you and I knew this was going to come. We've been hearing too much. Too many people who get COVID, even with mild symptoms, sometime later start getting diagnosed with freaky stuff, whether it's hypertension or blood clots. Brain fog is now translating into depression and anxiety and other things. What does this study say that pops out to you? Yeah, Chris. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I mean, you're my friend. Every time I hear about these long hauler studies, I always think about you and how you're doing. And I mean, what this study shows um, is a, a big study. First of all, they looked at 62,000 coronavirus uh, patients, people who had been diagnosed with the disease and and basically tried to figure out what were some of these other long hauling symptoms. And one of the ones they sort of drilled down on were psychiatric symptoms specifically. We, we can show uh, what they were looking for specifically, but what they found basically was quite extraordinary. About one in five, 18% of people within three months of their diagnosis did have some sort of psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, it could be from uh, anxiety disorders to insomnia, uh, depression, even early onset dementia. Now, th this, this is, uh, you do see these types of correlations with other illnesses, even the flu. 13% of people who recover from flu are also subsequently diagnosed with something. Doesn't mean that it's persistent, it lasts, and that's a limitation of this study as well. It's only 90 days, so we don't know. Long hauling is still a arbitrary timeline at this point. We know symptoms linger, and as you and I have talked about, it doesn't seem to be correlated to the initial severity of symptoms. I thought it would be. I thought the sicker you were in the first place, the more likely the symptoms were to linger. It's actually not the case. People yeah, I mean, even with mild symptoms initially can have lingering symptoms. I wanted to put this out there for two reasons. One, you do not want to get this virus. Even if it's going to be asymptomatic, it's no guarantee. And if you're young, it's no guarantee that nothing happens. Percentages are on your side. But also, there's so many people out there desperate yeah. to be heard. They have no doctor who can help them. Nobody understands this long haul stuff or even coronavirus, really. And they're either told, ah, you'll be fine, or they're not given the treatment. So, we need the studies to come out to give a higher level of recognition so people can get some help. We are no way done with this. In fact, it keeps getting worse. That's why we need you, Dr. Gupta. You keep us on the straight. You keep us on the real. And I thank you for it. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Be well, Sanjay. And we both know I had problems in my head long before COVID. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you very much for watching. It's my favorite time of the night. CNN with D. Lemon starts right now. Look at that. A 45 whole... seconds early. <laughs> so shut How up. How you manage that? Oh, whoa. <laughs> a few there. times, a few times I have been late in giving like down last the show. Night? And that is not uh, respectful. Last night it was okay. Because last night was it was fine. About. I was but saying it's totally fine. It was I owed him some time. I want him to have the time. And I love talking to you. More the better. <laughs> How you doing? I'm... Uh, I'm not feeling this optimism that Jim Clyburn, look, I'm no one to disrespect him. He's got incredible perspective. He's been through the wars on Capitol Hill, no question. Right. But I see the Democrats kind of sitting back and waiting for cooler heads to prevail. Since when? Yeah. They, they are making something up out of whole cloth. Nothing. For Trump to be right, Republicans and Democrats, in concerted action, connived to steal an election from him in different states mm -hmm. where on the same ballot only he got screwed. Right. But all the Republicans down ballot won. They won.
come on, man. Well, you know. And then all you, these you other Republicans are like, oh, well, you, well. <laughs> <laughs> we got we gotta, the integrity of I the mean, election. I mean, this is scary stuff, man. The, the record set of hospitalizations yeah. with COVID, and we're going to have 70 days, and then waiting for him to get over it? Hey, Chris, it's called hypocrisy. Look at the last election when, when everyone was saying you have to have integrity. And you're like, integrity, our election is, I mean, come on. No, no, no. One fair and square. Russian, no, there was no Russian involvement. Are you kidding me? So. Didn't need Russia this time. <laughs> that's the point. So you believe, you won't believe, you believe that Russians, or Russians did not interfere in the election, but real Americans did interfere in the elections. Actual Americans interfered, but not Russia. But real Americans. Republicans and Democrats what in different states. What does that say states? to you how you feel about Americans? For months, yeah. it would have taken to do this. You say hypocrisy. I have a different word that I learned in a beer commercial. You can't commercial. say that on TV. No, no. It's clean. Okay. I learned it in a beer commercial. Travis mockery. A travesty within a sham, <laughs> sham within, within a mockery. <laughs> that's, what, Wait, that's what this is. I, one night a couple weeks ago when I said I wanted to say it was a tragedy and a travesty. And I said, it's a tragedy. And everyone on social media said, Don Lemon made up the perfect word by accident. This is a tragedy. It, it is. I mean, and what do you call it? Shemakery? Travis Shemakery. Tra- well, travesty inside of a sham, inside of a mockery. That's what's going on here. We have to be careful. Uh, we have to convey how serious it is. But we also, we, it's a delicate balance here because what he wants to do is to take over the news cycle, right? What he wants to do is for people to pay more attention to him than the, the new administration coming in rather than, um, you know, a, a lame duck president. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful with that. And we also have to keep into perspective what's happening with these cases. People are, you know, coming out and they're saying, oh, I have this information. Then they're recanting. And then there's no real evidence here until you have some real evidence there's nothing to see here. Move along. I'm with you. Uh, yes. And uh, the other thing is, is that Anthony Scaramucci last night on the show really opened my eyes and the viewer's eyes to something that many people did not notice. In the fine print of the, that, that they're sending out, these mailers that they're sending out, emails and what have you, mm-hmm. to his constituents, it says that this money does not have to go to the recount. Right. It can go to the campaign to pay back all of the money that they owe in the campaign. So... And his future efforts. And his future efforts. So what does that mean? What, what, does that, what does that say about how he feels about you, that he can use a recount, which is fake, to take money from you? I'm sure hardworking people probably don't have much money to give many of them. And then use it to pay back his campaign debt. Imagine When that. he's a billionaire. When he is a billionaire. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I get the lame duck thing. I see it more as instead of lame dunk, I see this as mad cow um, because this as is what? mad cow instead of lame duck because this is insane. And my problem isn't with Trump. I'm used to him being his worst. It's the rest of that party. Four people have said that Biden is the president-elect. You said Johnson. I don't have anything. I have nothing to Remember congratulate him? him for. I'm a businessman. I'm yeah. only here to make things happen. I don't want to get involved with any of this political... Boy, has he learned the game fast, that yeah. brother. Well. And now they have to be remembered for what they say and do right now. Because when this phase ends, they're going to try to play it straight. You know, and, oh, well, we care about this. And we have to worry about fiscal this. And we have to worry about responsibility and nope. character. 
Remember what they say and do now. And if you forget, don't worry, mm -mm. I'll be there. I was just going to say, never forget. As long as we're here, they're never, ever going to forget the tragedy that they portrayed on the American people. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I love you, D. Lemon. You more. You know that.